Okay. Um, is there anybody who's didn't get the book for this class last Sunday? Did your wife get one? Neither one of you. Okay. Um, then I'm going to give you one, and I got one for Kristen. I think everybody else should be good to go then. Next day, Jin, you're going to start coming every Sunday for the next six weeks. Then I'll, uh, I'll get you one too. But I'm thinking we probably won't see you every Sunday for the next six weeks. So I, I, I can get you one if you're uh, highly uh, amused by what we do here today. <clears throat> so um, in a nutshell, we're going to be working through this book. And uh, who read the first chapter of this book? Raise your hand. Okay. You read the words, but you're not sure if you really read it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. All right. I, I think what I wanted to do today was, uh, the goal was, let's go through chapter one. But chapter one is really the most significant chapter in the book as far as what um, Sandlin, P. Andrew Sandlin, is trying to attack. Attacks probably... Uh, a strong word because he just doesn't agree with it, and I don't agree with the first chapter's position either. But what I did is I thought, okay, I want to make sure everyone's read it, but maybe before we get to that, I'm going to introduce what we're doing, and I'm going to share something I made, all right? Um, in the book, if you have it with you, there is a a bunch of people going, hey, this is a great book, you should read it, right, all the people. Then there's a, the table of contents, and if you look at the table of contents, you will find that there are like different ways of viewing the future. The big word is eschatology. Uh, different ways of viewing the future, and they primarily break down into three ways that people typically view the future. One is um, called premillennialism, and what that means is Jesus is going to come back, and then he's going to like set up his kingdom on earth for a while, a thousand years, and then the end of everything will happen, judgment, the final judgment, and so on, okay? That's premillennialism, and I, there's a lot more bells and whistles involved in that view. The other view is post-millennialism that says, yeah, Jesus is going to come back. We all believe that. Jesus is going to come back, but uh, things, he's ruling right now, and things get increasingly better to the point where it's almost like heaven on earth. Then he returns. The final judgment happens, and uh, the lake of fire, eternity, etc. And then there's the, that's post-millennialism. So he comes back after his reigning is come to completion. Okay, so premillennialism, he comes back then. He starts to really rule and reign for a thousand years, quote unquote. Postmillennialism is he's doing that already. It's more than a thousand. A thousand years is a symbol, but things are increasingly getting better. Then he'll come back. And then the, the third uh, option is called amillennialism. They don't even believe in a thousand year duration of anything. They, they, they think that's been a, a misused scripture text um, that isn't referring to time as much as it is to uh, Jesus is with his people that have passed on already, and they're still, his people are also on earth dealing with um, 
opposition and sin and a fallen world and bringing the gospel to people and so on. Amillennialism, therefore, is just like, it's going to keep happening this way. He's got people with him already, and he, you know, at some point in the future, he will come back. Is it going to get better or worse? They wouldn't necessarily lay claim to either, although I'm millennialist. I haven't really seen a lot of that thinking it's going to get better. It's usually just going to stay the same, maybe get worse. And, and there's a myriad of different ways of all three positions of people coming at it from different angles. Okay, um, But what, what Sandlin is going to do is he's going to present the first two chapters. Those are basically premillennial views. That means he has to come back and then start ruling. Um, those are premillennial views. One he calls dispensationalism, and the other he just calls premillennialism. But they, they still are both in the same camp. Then the second, uh, chapter 3, he talks about amillennialism. Amillennialism has traditionally been the, the flavor uh, of the Reformed churches. They've been amillennial for the most part. I don't, I don't know what... Uh, what, is, what does Roman Catholic Church think on that? Do you have any idea of their view of the future? Yes, second coming. Right. Not to put you on the spot either. Yeah, yeah, no, fair enough. Um, I, I'm not sure. They, they may be a little more akin to a Reformed way of viewing the future, that he's coming again. Right now we're in that period between the two advents, the first coming and the second coming. They do. And then that could be because of popular culture that we're in, the rapture idea, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's utter foolishness myself. But I've done a lot of, a lot of work getting to this point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, all right, right. And World War III might come, but I wouldn't say it has anything to do with biblical prophecy. Uh, then the last one is postmillennialism, and he spends a couple of chapters. That's his view. That's the view I would cling to. I guess I would, I find myself a hybrid. I, 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 believe, to, I believe I would call myself a positive amillennialist. I do believe... There is no thousand literal year at all, uh, years at all. I think that probably isn't even having to do, that Revelation 20 having to do with a period of time um, at all. But uh, I also think things get increasingly better until at some point the lion will lay with the lamb and, and righteousness will be in the earth and then Christ will come back. Okay. Not to confuse it, I, I, I'm hoping that this sheet will at least bring clarification and there's a lot of colors and lines and stuff. Um, but we got the three views that I think are pretty much evident in, in the book that come out, even though you got that extra view. And, and if you see it here, they both start with basically Jesus ascends to heaven. All, of, all three of these, I've got Jesus ascends to heaven, Jesus ascends to heaven, Jesus ascends to heaven. Nobody disagrees with that. And then the last thing I have on, on each of them is eternity Paradise and the lake of fire, okay? They all end that way, with eternity beginning. And you've got, you know, paradise and the lake of fire. And, and right before that, for all three of them, you've got the final judgment, okay? So Jesus is 
um, judging, um, judging everyone. And either they, they are his and they will be in paradise with him, whatever that looks like, I won't even comment on some of that, um, or they will be thrown into the lake of fire with the devil and his angels, okay? Eternally suffering. Um, if you look at the top one, the top one is kind of the, the author of the book's position. It's kind of what I would resonate with the most. Is you can see it says there, Jesus rules from heaven and all things improve. And you've got that blue line heading in an upward positive direction. Okay? Then at the end of that blue line, there's a dot and it says, Jesus returns. It's his second coming. And in the meantime, this little circular ellipsis type thing, this blue circular, says that the church from all nations is God's people. Okay? And that's important for chapter 1 to know that we would believe, whether you are in the top or the bottom, we would believe that the church is made up of all God's people, whatever ethnicity they happen to be, male or female, Jew or Gentile, Etc. The next view, called premillennial, and I put dispensational view of the future. I wish I had a whiteboard up here, a big one. Again, they starts with Jesus is ascended, and then at the end, eternity, paradise, lake of fire, final judgment. But then you got a bunch of other stuff going on here, and this is one you're going to be familiar with. And you can see the line here; it's going down; it's not climbing up. Things are getting worse, and things will get worse. It says, Jesus rules from heaven, world conditions decline underneath that line. Now, this is the kind of thing you're hearing typically on the radio or, you know, from other church people that you know from other churches where they say, oh, the rapture's going to happen, this is the end times we're living in, and so on and so forth, a real doom and gloom kind of a, a future that, that the church is expecting, according to this premillennial dispensational view. And one of the key things that they hold is that Israel is God's people until Jesus comes. And then after Jesus comes, now we have what they call the church from all nations are God's people. But then after the rapture, when that church is taken away and the church ages over, all of a sudden, you got this, the Israel's God's people again. And so Israel becomes like, uh, like the, the deciding factor, the little time clock of how God is dealing with things present and things past and things in the future. The reason it's called dispensationalism is because they deal with things as in eras, dispensations of time, Okay. And so right now we happen to be in the church age dispensation, but that will come to an end at the rapture when the church is taken away. And then Israel, the Jews, will still be around here trying to deal with all the problems that come because after the rapture of the church, according to this view, you've got no Christians left unless someone becomes a Christian during this great tribulation time when the Antichrist is ruling. And so I've got... All these things kind of happening at the bottom of the dot here. Rapture, seven-year tribulation, and then Jesus comes back, his second coming, his return. Okay? But before that happens, he sneaks back 
and grabs people, you know, in the rapture. He kind of like comes partially back, raptures them out, and then goes back to heaven. After the seven years tribulation, then he comes back full force. I'm here, okay? And he sets up his kingdom. He rules from Jerusalem a thousand years. He, he rules with his iron scepter, and people comply, and, and animals love it. And they, that's when they lay, lion lays with the, with the wolf and so on. And so that Jesus rules from earth for a thousand years. Things get better then, right? They don't get better now. They get better then when he comes back and like enforces it, all right? At the end of that thousand years, you can see this little cloud down here. Somehow, for some reason, the wicked revolt. Even though he's ruling, his rulership still fails because the wicked revolt because why? According to this argument, the, the thousand years has ended and Satan has been released from his bondage to deceive the nations. Once again, he deceives them from all four corners of the globe and they come up against Jerusalem uh, and the people of God that are, that are there at that point. I don't know, maybe the church has returned. Anybody know this better? Maybe at that point Jesus is there and he brought the church back with him. To, to rule from Jerusalem. I don't really, it's not triggering my brain right now. It's an easy figure out, but, and it might come out in that first chapter. Yeah, Andy? Okay, so like the raptures occurred after seven years tribulation. He brings the church back with him. Is that, is that the idea? Well, yeah, I, and I don't, I don't know about the battle unless it's after the thousand years where that revolt happens because Satan is loosed. Um, bottom line is, uh, this is the this is the view that that Sandlin is tackling in that first chapter, chapter one, okay, and he's his main point is that he's going to say this. Listen, the key to this weird system is they treat two different peoples of God. And, and if we can just prove the point that God has always only had one people of God, okay? The church, in a sense, that goes back for, for forever, but um, even though it was mostly, primarily Hebrews that were part of that church, there were some sojourners, there were other people. Then when Christ comes, he opens, he slams open the door even wider to bring in the Gentiles, but that never changes. He never goes back to the Jews. That would be almost like sacrilegious. Um, this view here believes that for all these things to literally take place, and, and, and they're quoting Jesus, I think, out of context, but they've got to rebuild a temple in Jerusalem because he's got he's to have some place, you know, there's got to be some place to be surrounded and attacked um, by the... Uh, you know, during the tribulation by the Antichrist. I, I don't remember, because one stone will not be left upon. All those things that Jesus talked about that I believe has already taken place in 70 AD, they still have to fit those in somehow to their eschatological view. All right, So they got rapture jammed in their seven-year tribulation. Before that happens, they're going to build a temple, and, and they're going to 
offer sacrifices again in the temple. The priestly order is going to have to be resurrected. Not resurrected in, in our way of thinking. Have, has to be resuscitated, let's say, and put back into uh, the place uh, that they've served in the past. And all that's not happened. It's not going to happen. And even if they started building something and calling it the temple, it's empty. It's an empty temple. God does not dwell there. Ivan. They're, yeah, they're taking certain points, especially out of Revelation 20. Revelation 20 is where you, you find the word a thousand or the idea of millennial or millennialism comes up. So people who are taking one of these three views, and you can see the word millennial in all three of these views, it's just really dealing with what is Revelation 20 even talking about? But then they go back and they attach it to all, all kinds of other verses and arguments, etc., from Scripture. And post-millennial, okay, says, he reigns for a thousand years. Thousand years meaning a long, long time. Not a literal thousand years, a symbolic thousand years. Christ might reign for 50,000 years, 100,000 years from heaven. Okay, we might be in the, in the initial stages of the church right now, living in the year 2024. If it's going to be a thousand years, well, it's, if that's symbolic, it's a very, very long and complete time. Paul? Yeah, the day is like a thousand years, or a thousand years is but a day, yes, exactly. Um, so, but, so they believe Christ is reigning right now, he's ruling, all enemies are being put under his feet, then he'll come back. That will be post, after the millennium. These guys believe, no, he's got to come back first or this ain't going to happen. We can share the gospel, save people, you know, get them to go to heaven and stuff. Great, and that is great. But it ain't happening until the big guy comes back, right? And that's basically what they're saying. And things are going to get so bad, it's a good thing he's going to rescue us secretly in the rapture so we don't have to go through him depending on what view of, of dispensationalism you follow. Because some say he's gonna, it's going to be a pre-tribulation rapture. That means we're going to be rescued into the clouds with him before we experience any tribulation. Whew. Some say, oh, no, that's too easy. He's going to make us go through a little. You know? So you're going to experience some tribulation, but it's not going to be as bad as it could be. So you're going to go three and a half years because it's a seven-year period. Three and a half years, it'll be a mid-tribulation rapture. Then he'll take us away. No, no, no. What are you clowns thinking? We've got to go through the whole seven-year tribulation. We're going to just man up. Yeah, a lot of us are going to be martyred and so on. But, but the rapture is going to only occur after the tribulation. So they would call themselves a post-tribulation. But these are, those are all like little incidental details that different people believe different things from this group in here, okay? I'll guarantee you, every one of us has heard this. TV preachers, uh, radio preachers, your next-door neighbor, and anybody right now who is, is looking at the world going, man, this is it. I can't wait. Jesus is coming back soon. They're escapists. 
They're, they don't really intend to change. Why would you bother trying to change this world for better if you really think it's going down the old toilet and, and uh, he has to come back? You wouldn't. It wouldn't make a lot of sense. Well, we would just because we want to be obedient. <laughs> yeah, okay, right. This, this, is a, this is a I'm looking for my vacation mentality. I've got to put up with the work until I get to the weekend. You know, This is not a, a build and conquer and develop mentality. The bottom one here, just real quick, you got Jesus ascended, of course, and he's going to come back in the final judgment. His return is at the end. Eternity will be paradise or the lake of fire. And it says on this line, Jesus rules from heaven and calls people into his church. I do not believe amillennialists, uh, most of them, I would consider myself a positive amillennialist, but most of them wouldn't say that things are going to get increasingly better like this. Most of them would say, hey, we're, we're just occupying till he comes. We're going to be faithful. You know, we'll, we'll die probably, be in heaven. It could be a long, long period. They don't even have, they don't even go with the thousand-year reign thing. They don't think that's a biblical right understanding of that passage. So they're called, ah, millennialists, meaning no. There's no millennium is what that means. And so they say when we see Satan being bound and, and we see a thousand years and it's talking about souls. It even says the first resurrection, their souls were with Jesus. That was, that's going on already. And that will continue to go on for a long, long time. But the binding of Satan is binding them from them. They're safe. Whereas he's still occupying and doing things on the earth. And the church who's living on the earth still has not perfection. They're not um, uh, free of harm and free of um, the effects of sin. So they don't believe Revelation 20, when it talks about thousand years, is even referring to time. They're just, they mostly believe it's referring to location, you know. Post would say it is referring to time in the sense as he's begun to rule and things will get increasingly better. We're in this golden, and we'll get into more and more of a golden age. And then he'll come back. So in one sense, I would say, I would say that some post-millennialists say, no, there's actually going to be this golden thousand years. But I don't think most of them hold to that. They would say, no, it's just a long period of time. But they're still talking duration. Whereas a millennial is saying, it's nothing to do with duration. It's nothing to do, and probably the most profound thing I read um, from a post-millennialist named B.B. Warfield didn't believe the, that Revelation 20 has anything to do with time. He kind of agrees amillennial, you know, in his thinking, but he's very much in agreement that things get increasingly better before Jesus comes, comes back, finally comes back. Um, is this just really made you glaze over even more? Or have you followed any of this at all? Yes, it's made you glaze over, Chase. <laughs> okay. Top one, bottom one, similarity. The similarity is Jesus ascended. He won't come back until the second coming. The last judgment, the final judgment occurs then, and people are put where they belong. There should be what? Oh, there is definitely distinctions between the two. 
But that is the same. This is all over the map. It's craziness. Um, but this, is, this has been the popular thing. And I think it probably became popular, as my understanding, it began really taking hold in the 1800s. I think it really became popular because people kind of, oh, what else did you find? They were like getting, they were getting like, um, like uh, special prizes in a box of cereal. And oh, where is it, you know? And show me another thing. Well, and then this is also going to be the case, you know? And they'll take you to some Old, Old Testament passage and, and try to be very literalistic. See? It, yeah, yeah. Don't take the mark of the beast. and Right, right. Which... B.B. Warfield, he says, you know what Revelation is? And you can't get away from this. He's got like four principles of interpreting it. He says, you can't get away from it. It's a, a book of scenes. And they all kind of repeat the same thing over again. And, and those scenes have symbols. And you better not read into those symbols too much. Don't read in too much into the symbols. He says, the symbols have meaning. But we've got to respect their meaning and then just stand back and say, we're not going to make more... Oh, they get into it 100%. Yep. Yeah, Lid? The, the intrigue, the... Uh, That's probably how we should refer to it. It's the Indiana Jones effect, right? Because I, I, who doesn't want to be, like, figuring things out and finding things like Indiana Jones? I mean, that's, that's fun. And I, and I think that was the appeal for many churches in many, many uh, places. Yeah, oh, right, right. I, I've even, you know, there's even been cases where Christians who don't believe in that, the rapture and the tribulation, all that stuff. Um, and it's not like those Christians don't have something to say about the verses that are being used you know, for that argument. They just take those other verses differently. But it, it's, it's like, um, oh, where was I going with that? Oh, they'll go so far that middle view is saying, well, if you don't believe in the rapture, you're probably going to be left behind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, I think, one of the big appeals and what made this whole, this whole concept of the Great Reset became such a big thing these days. So I think you got a lot of Christians going, this is it. That's probably it. They're reading about this stuff too and saying, this is true. This is going to happen. Dijin? Yeah. Yeah. Why would he come back if, if things aren't going to improve? Is that the idea or question? 
Oh. Yeah. Yeah, right. And and I think I think what we will understand at least my understanding at this point is that there is a this world will become a better place. This world will actually be transformed when Christ returns at the end of everything for the final judgment and the casting away. I, I believe this doesn't get wiped out or obliterated. I believe it gets refreshed or renewed. Um, and so I, who knows? I mean, we could be worshiping him here, you know. Uh, I, 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 I don't know. Speculation at that point. <laughs> Well, and I, I think the thing is this, and my, my feeling is that heaven is, you know, the seat or the whatever of, of God in a sense, right? Earth is his footstool, but it, heaven and, and Jesus' ruling is meant to engulf the earth in time. It's meant to engulf it and completely change it to what it was supposed to be at first. And, and all, all, although with human knowledge and advancements also playing a part in that. Um, and, and so in, in that one sense, yeah, why wouldn't you rather, you know, escape and go to heaven where everything's peaches and cream? Um, well, because that's not the mission. The mission is thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're going to, earth needs to be changed. We can't, everybody who's looking, you shouldn't say it like this. A lot of people who look forward to like the, the rapture, escape, and get excited and a little giddy about this being the end times, they're doing very little to try to really change things for the better. I mean, what's, what's your motivation to change? You want to be good. I think they want to. I think everybody, Christian, should want to be improved, sanctified, grow in grace. But why would I even care if I felt like, say, by next December, it's all done? Why would I care what they do in Madison or in, at, at the, at the, uh, in, the, in the Supreme Court? I don't really care. Because if it's, if it's going to be that short a duration and things are really going to hit the fan then, come quickly, Lord Jesus, you know. Right. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> there, 
Yeah, why is it this generation? What, because you don't like the way things are going? And, and that rapture thing, there's also appeal of, if it happens, I don't even have to die. Die. I mean, let alone persecute. I don't even have to die. Wouldn't that be great? And we don't like, I'm not saying I'm immune here at all, we don't like the idea of being persecuted. We don't share our faith because we don't want to be persecuted. Can you imagine if there's some worldwide antichrist going out there sending troops out to turn the screws on Christians? Who wants that? Oh, the teacher or whatever that they've been imbibing it. And, and we all do that to a, to a degree, right? She, yeah, oh, yeah, but you've got to be biblical. And, and, and what we're going to hopefully get to in the book is what is really the most biblical approach here in understanding the future. And his, his idea is it's the top one. Things get increasingly better. That is, by the way, something that many in Europe and, and the United States believed. And, and then it kind of waned when World War I came, World War II, and then you got these other teachers teaching these other things. And then Christians went, well, let's figure it out. What does it really say? Because things aren't getting any better. You know, and how often do you hear that today? Things aren't getting any better. You're telling me things are going to get better? Yeah, I think they're going to get much better. Chase, are you going to say something? So, by Gnostic, you're saying created material, physical things are bad in a sense, or limiting us from what would be the ideal. This is what they would say? Okay. Oh, yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah, I get you now. I get that coming around. I, I got how that... Yeah, earth is good. And, and, and ultimately, we are resurrected. Our bodies are resurrected. They are made uh, in, incorruptible at that point, but... It's, it's meant to be. We're meant to be in human form. So, yeah. 
All right, we should wrap it up. This is good. Uh, Introductor, read chapter one for next time. And remember, he's dealing with that that main that middle group, and he's just trying to like say, yeah, they got this wrong, you know. So let's pray. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Paul says, read the forward and introduction if you haven't, because that'll help too. Lord, thanks for this time. I pray and ask that we would uh, think your thoughts after you, and then. All the ways that they're not correct, Lord, that you would correct them in us. And, uh, and I, I, I pray that you correct the culture, the church culture as a whole. Wake them up that they're not believing shallow things, uh, silly things in some cases. In your name we pray. Amen. You're